0: Hello, everyone. <clears throat> Mike Stokes, Wild Alive Education. <clears throat> Today, I'd like to talk about the most <clears throat> important issue of our time. And I'm the topic that I'm calling this podcast, YouTube episode, is how to. Save life on Earth as we know it. <clears throat> so the first thing that uh, I I have to say, because I uh, I want to speak to those of you out there that um, may feel like a friend of mine does, in that life on Earth is going to be just fine, and it's really about humans and our life on earth, that is going to be the real challenge. So what I'm suggesting is there's a way to hopefully mitigate a lot of the negative impacts of human life on earth so that we can retain some semblance of the natural world and the way of life that we are used to. Anyone who's been paying attention ever since the dawn of the industrial revolution uh, and even before that, the dawn of agriculture, but primarily the dawn of the industrial revolution, we have begun to destroy the networks of life and the networks of ecosystem that uh, have been on Earth. We simply have taken them for granted. Now, that's everybody knows that. Some people deny that that's important. Um, And obviously, I'm not speaking to them because, frankly, you really have to have your head in the sand and be not thinking critically, but thinking dogmatically, if you believe that the uh, collapse of biodiversity and ecosystems around the planet is not a problem. You know, even if you um, are not really focused on the climate crisis, for God's sake, for any of you that are out there, please. Call it a crisis. It's not a change. Climate change is a term that was invented by a conservative think tank to try to minimize the importance of the climate crisis that we face. Um, I got a little sidetracked there. Basically, uh, the catastrophic collapse of all of the ecosystems on Earth is happening at a faster pace other than when we had asteroids hitting the planet. The change is faster in biological terms than any other single event throughout biological history on Earth. Or the the. billions of years that life has been evolving. Um, So here's the crux of the point. The point is, is that really the only way that we are going to save life on earth as we know it, to save our life is to have a new spirituality, have a new religion there. So religions are everywhere and everyone has their own particular view of religion and spirituality and There is, you know, obviously a small subset of the population that considers themselves non-religious and non-spiritual and purely empirical. Um, But even that segment of the population tends to turn politics and economics into a kind of religion. So really the only way that we're going to be able to thrive or even survive in the midst of this Transformation that this catastrophic change and collapse, which is building every year is by having a new religion, a new spirituality. And here's the problem that it doesn't exist yet. Most people adhere to a religion that's 2000 plus years old. Now that religion was consistent with the scientific understanding of its age of 2000 years ago or more. And those uh, precepts and principles were appropriate for that time frame, for that scientific understanding. Here's the thing that most people don't get. The religions of those times were completely consistent with the scientific understanding of the day. Now, the miracles and the faith that are spoke of were still created in a context of of a scientific understanding of the world that was of that era. So our new religion and our new spirituality is, needs to be focused on two things. One is the sacred beauty and importance of holding up the interdependency of all life on earth. That has to be number one. And then number two is to hold up that sacred interdependence of all life in the context of the vastness of the universe in its infinite size and infinite smallness uh, and wild uh, possibilities that we're only beginning to scratch the surface of. It's, It's quantum nature which so many people use in a very um, self-serving way. Uh, but that's not the point. So the, the point is is that our new religion and our new spirituality has to be based around two fundamental principles. One is is that all life is sacred, And the interconnectedness, specifically the interconnectedness of all life, should be held sacred above all else. That interconnectedness, now that doesn't mean that thou shalt not kill any life form. That's not how nature, the the God nature works. Nature as God is an interplay of all things. And instead of putting God above, putting man above nature, we put man in his place as part of nature. So man, what needs to happen is a new religion that holds man as a co-equal participant with the rest of nature. Now man has this extra ability uh, to foresee, forecast, and um, manipulate things in the future. Uh, some animals have that to a limited degree, but we have that. To a very high degree. So, our we are in a, in a special place in the tree of life. That power to manipulate has been misinterpreted by the old religions as us be standing somehow above nature. So, what we need now is a new religion in which, in a new spirituality, which holds our ability to manipulate the rest of nature as a fundamental stewardship role of stewarding ourselves this artificial idea of somehow that nature and spirit are separate that needs to go away spirit and nature need to be seen as one and the same now that doesn't mean that you should follow every impulse that you have because then you're going to fall prey to um you know bad habits and um, all kinds of vices that will ultimately lead to making bad decisions and more destruction. What that does mean is that means that since you are nature, since nature and you are indivisible, then you must take into account your effect On the whole. Now here's another very important point. The, the old religions were all centered around these very small tribal groups, starting either in the Middle East or in India or in China or in the Americas or in Africa. Every single one of those religions were centered around how my group is the chosen group. That all has to disappear too. There can be no one chosen group. There can be no one idea about God and nature that is um, separate from the others. They all have to be consistent. So any belief structure that isn't consistent with all men and women all humans are co-equal participants in the web of life and that all men and women, uh, the beliefs of all men and women need to be, the fundamental beliefs need to be in harmony with one another. There's always room for parochial differences. But the fundamental idea that one, we are all interconnected in the web of life, and that web of life is sacred, and we have a spiritual responsibility to care for the web itself, rather than just an individual my garden, or my tribe, or my brother, or, or my sister, or my child. It has to be a, we have a fundamental obligation to do the best we can for all living things, now that doesn't mean we need to be a monster and kill individuals while we're um, while we're striving to make the whole good, but it does mean that we need to consider the whole good first in our uh, choices that we make. So the technical solutions is what. People focus on today. We have elevated economics and politics to, um, in some instances, equal footing with spiritual and religious ideas. Uh, the fundamental problem with that is is that we are not rational beings. We are fundamentally emotional, tribal spiritual beings who can do nothing but see the world around us as a world that is aligned with our deepest fundamental beliefs. So we have to start having the conversation. We have to start leaning all of the big populations in the world towards an idea of spiritual unity that you don't have to jettison your old religions. You do have to modify them. If there's anything in your old religion that says, um, my religion is right and your religion is wrong, when it pertains to these two mm-hmm. fundamental factors, every religion has to agree that we are interdependent life forms on earth, that our interdependent life on earth is... uh intertwined with all living things, and that intertwined nature needs to be honored and respected above all else, not above um, being a good person and being kind and caring and compassionate. Those are part of of living a life that is, is seen as interdependent. So you don't have to jettison compassion and kindness. But what you do have to do is jettison the idea that man and nature are somehow separate. So any interpretation of spiritual beliefs that sees man and nature as separate needs to be let go. And that's, uh, unfortunately, many people aren't going to accept that. But those people will either destroy life on earth as we know it, or they will be destroyed, or they will become irrelevant. There's really no in-between. They can be a small, it's fine for those people to stay in our world, they just need to be a small subset that does not wield real economic, ecological, and political power. They must have small amounts of power that are only related to their small parochial interests, because that truly is all they focus on. So if you hold on to any type of belief that somehow you are separate from nature, that somehow you are above nature, you are part of the problem. So the first thing to do is to let that go. And what, and whatever means you need to do that. If you need to go into a deep meditation or if you need to do scientific research, um, whatever it is. You have to embrace this idea that we are all interconnected, that the the life, the sum total of life on earth is us. It is not separate from us. Um, and then another key factor that we must uh, elevate is the idea that ecology, ecosystems in their um, oldest form are our teachers. So the oldest, most pristine ecosystems on earth, we need to study them, uh, as sacred teachers. We need to follow their example of how they became what they are and how they have sustained what they are over time. And we need to model ourselves and our society around those principles. One of those principles is, uh, is maximum dio- biodiversity within a certain bioregion that has a stable balance between different entities. So the, the um, tragedy of life on earth is the mass loss of biodiversity on earth. It's, it is the big story that no one's focusing on, no one that most people aren't focusing on. The, the wealth that has brought us to where we are is directly correlated to the mass amount of biodiversity that has been stabilized on planet earth during the uh, last hundred thousand years well during the last billions of years but has allowed us to evolve into what we are over the last million years so that brings up a fundamental concept if you're holding on to or if you know someone who's holding on to an idea that somehow um the truth is something that you need faith to follow, that is going, it's ultimately not going to save us. So there's a way that it can save us, uh, that can save life as we know it. Um, and, and that is that that faith has to be a faith in our ability to work together to find solutions and to serve this common good in which we honor all life forms and the inter specifically the interconnectedness of all life forms the wisdom of ancient ecosystems and then combining that with the uh, vast universal um, possibilities of of all of the combinations of matter and energy that exist throughout the universe. You know, there is a a possible scenario where we technologically turn ourselves into a, a technical ecosystem in which everything that happens on earth becomes a technical managed thing, like a greenhouse. Um, but, In that moment, we lose our biology. In that moment, we lose the sacredness of our life and become a social, technical uh, entity. We literally lose the foundation of our spiritual, natural nature and will become and evolve into something else. Personally, I don't want to go down that route. I would much rather see the natural ecosystems of the earth take their rightful place as the elders in our society who are to teach us how to move forward in a way that has us retain our nature, rather than being cast into a technosphere where we all are beholden to some imperfect leaders and societal norms which control our fates. And that's really where we're headed. We're really headed to a place where nature no longer where our nature is destroyed and we become so, so, some sort of techno-eco-political entity. So the, the scary bigger picture is, is that right now we rely upon an unconscious, natural feed of our subconscious, which holds all that we find dear and amazing about human beings. It, it, it is the fundamental nature of who we are. Uh, and that will be lost. And so we have to create a spiritual, religious structure that calls all of us to begin to shift from this place of tribal identities and ancient religions that, that really focus on our tribal differences to a, a cohesive, spiritual, religious group. And that cohesive spiritual religious group can have a huge amount, it can be a federation of spiritualities, it can have a huge amount of leeway. It need only honor a few basic principles. And I'll say them uh, as succinctly and precisely as I can. One, all life is, the interdependence of all life is sacred, all life in and of itself is sacred regardless of of economic value, and Under In parentheses under that, that does not mean that you do not take life in any form because that is simply not the way nature works. It works in a balance. And that does not mean that you become amoral and that you don't uh, follow your heart and your moral judgments. Because your moral compass and your heart and your judgments and the mythologies of all time are a product of nature. Mythologies and religions are true in this sense. They are true in that they reveal the deeper, subconscious, spiritual uh, meaning of your life. And then you can attach your individual tribal symbols on top of that. But that's not the ultimate truth. The ultimate truth is that every one of these seemingly conflicting religions holds uh, a key thread of truth. And those key threads of truth are what we need to focus on, not the differences. The differences will always be a source of tension, um, and they should be managed, not embraced. So that's number one. Number two is is that the nature of reality in the grand cosmic scheme of things is truly infinite and is truly most likely unknowable, and will never fully be known by the man of mind of mine, by the by the mind of man. <clears throat> we are limited in our capacity. Uh, we, there's already much talk about how AI is going to overtake our understanding of all things, um, and we need to prepare for that day and be ready to deal with those consequences. Uh, that is a whole other scary topic, which um, uh, is, I'm not going to talk about here. First, we have to figure out if we can truly survive on Earth. And then we'll be able to, well, concurrently, we need to figure out how to manage AI so that it doesn't um, take over the decision-making process of humans. Because, again, like I said, we run the risk of turning into a technosphere in which our fundamental natural spirituality is lost, and we become technological beings. Now, the the pundits and the critics will say, like, oh, that'll never happen. But uh, mark my words, it is happening already. And the only thing that will protect it is a deep spiritual um, value of the independent sacredness of life and how how it lives on earth, separate of ourselves. The more we go down the path of trying to manage all nature, the more we will destroy ourselves and we will destroy it. So number one interdependence of all life is sacred. Number two, the infiniteness of the universe is a fundamental part of the equation. We are part of an infinite universe with infinite possibilities. There are infinite possibilities. Uh, and an addendum to number two is we need simply to learn how to honor the wisdom of ecosystems, the wisdom of the interdependence of all life, at the same time that we are learning and discovering new mysteries of the universe. So we hold both of them up with equal, not even equal, I would say that for us to retain our fundamental essence of spiritual, religious, that that which we believe ourselves to create us and to call us human we have to hold the interconnectedness of all life the natural systems on the earth higher in higher regard than the technosphere that technosphere needs to take second place Along with that, we do not need to be amoral. It's not about being amoral. It's about seeing and understanding that the morality, which you experience deeply as right and wrong, some people don't experience that morality. I'm not speaking to them. Uh, they are a whole other problem, which we'll deal with in different t- topics of conversation. But for those of you that experience a morality, that are not trapped in a victim ideology, um... That morality is a product of your nature, the billions of year-old life that has come before you, that has evolved into you. It brought with it a set of symbols and unconscious uh, values. Those didn't. Those are not granted by some ethereal separate entity that we call God. That's a separate thing outside of ourselves. That blasted us with this separate consciousness or blasted us from the outside with some alien consciousness. None of that is real. What is real, now there may be elements of the universe and there may be elements of of alien uh, material and matter and, and life uh, that has come into our world, but those are not primary. They are secondary. Primary is what we are as earthlings, is our primary relationship to the earth. That earth being our mother, you know, we've all heard that. But the more we embrace truly the idea that the earth is our mother and we shall protect her, the selfless giving mother, we shall protect her with all that we have from a spiritual, religious place, not from a political or economic or selfish place. It has to be an altruistic place that sees the whole and sacrifices the self for the whole. All religious and spiritual evolution demands individual sacrifice. So that in and of itself would be the moral foundation that the earth has bestowed upon you. The earth is saying, thou shalt transcend your individual greed for the greater good. And that greater good can no longer be the tribe. It can no longer be the nation. It can no longer be the family. You can Hold the greater good in all of those things. Hold those greater goods. But those greater goods need to be consistent with the greatest good of life on earth, which is that all life is sacred and all life is interdependent and that the wisdom of ecosystems is above all else our guide to how to live in a way that sustains and is truly sustainable. So this idea of sustainability has gotten so mucked up and and turned into corporate propaganda and catchphrases for people who want to justify uh, spending tons of money on consumer goods while they bring plastic reusable bags to the store. Sustainability truly is. It, It is no longer just sustainability. Sustainability has to be generative. It has to generate more life than it takes because we are in such a downward spiral of taking life, taking biodiversity, destroying the foundation of what we are in. We have to recreate this idea of sustainability to be one of generation. And I specifically don't say regeneration because we will never regenerate to where we were. We will generate a new normal if we survive, a new normal that calls forth a new vitality, a new thriving in these new old growth ecosystems to take charge of the natural environment in which we become the stewards. There is no reason that we don't have armies of people inside uh, ecosystems and destroyed ecosystems which do Everything in their power to create an interdependent life between those ecosystems and people. That's what we don't do. What we do is we take from the ecosystem, thinking falsely that it is the only way for people to thrive. It is completely not the only way to survive. One of the greatest examples of that is Fair Wild. So Fair Wild is going around the world and creating... Um, Sustainable, truly sustainable ways. Um, obviously, there's going to be some impact on the land, but truly sustainable ways to increase the biodiversity while harvesting medicine, while harvesting products that does not destroy the ecosystems on which they rely, moving back in a sense to a relationship of each bioregion where each community had a sacred responsibility to enhance the life of each bioregion. When it comes to tribalism, this is the only valid tribalism. The only valid tribalism is that each individual community takes responsibility for its bioregion and creates a way of living, an economy An economy that is based on a spiritual practice, which gives back to the land at the same time that it gives to the individuals and to the community. So the third principle is that ecological wisdom stands above technological wisdom. I think that's enough for now. The... the differences between different belief structures. People always get stuck on this. You must not focus on them. You must only focus on these three, to begin with, these three fundamental principles. That the interdependence and sacredness of all life, that the wisdom of the ecosystem should be held as the path forward, and that we as stewards of the earth should Co-create vitality and abundance with these ecosystems, not against them. And that is entirely possible. And simply the only challenge is is, is a lack of imagination. The infinite possibilities of the universe and the infinite combinations of matter and our combined with our creative intellect makes it limitless the possibilities that we can create. Thank you for listening. If you please send me questions, if you've gotten value out of this, please subscribe. And have a wonderful day. And hit the notification bell. Notification bell. Notification bell. Notification bell. bell.